Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. To episode number 44 of Graveyard Duck Podcast. With you as always, my name is Scott. And I'm Wes. All right, Wes. So here we are, ready to talk about the NES 1997. Um, oh, wait. No, we're done with that now, aren't we? Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> we moved on. <laughs> yeah, if you've been following along for the last several months, we've been talking, you know, the NES from through the years, but we kind of wrapped that up and decided we're very excited to get back to the old format and just talking some random you pick, I pick games and mm-hmm. covering, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's weird that we have to kind of do this intro, but it's, it's been long enough. Maybe we do, maybe you have new listeners since the old format, but um, yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, it, it was fun to go through the, uh, the journey of the NES, but uh, you know, as, as we kind of got into the later episodes, it was starting to drag a little bit. And uh, you know, I think we talked a little bit too, how, um, you know, we were kind of missing the the old format a little bit, but I'm glad that we stuck with it as we did. You know, go through it, but uh, uh, it's nice to to get back into the swing of things, sort of the old school way here. Uh, yep. You know, so uh, so we're here. We we love talking about you know all the other systems. We'll we'll come back to the NES at some point, but oh, I think sure. let's take a break and got our Super NES love and Turbo Graphics and Sega Master System and portables and neo geo but this tons of stuff this week we are here coming back to the sega genesis or sega mega drive depending on which side of the pond you're on uh talking toe jam and earl yeah (laughs) so this was technically my pick Mm -hmm. um i originally our schedule was going to line up in such a way that this was going to be the week of christmas so it would have been, you know, right, right around then. I kind of, kind of trying to think of something Christmassy we could talk about. Days before Christmas last year, I didn't know what we should do. I kind of thought maybe um, some Clay Fighter, you know, mm. the, the big killer, killer snowman yeah. in there. But uh, ultimately, I decided Toe Jam and Earl would be a good one because, I mean, it's it's a classic. I don't think this show has given quite enough love to the Genesis yet. No, and you know that the. the what made me get to Christmas on this one is, you know, the, all of your items are randomly hidden inside of wrapped packages. Uh, and in later levels, you can actually sneak up and uh, rob Santa. So, yeah. So why not call it, call it our late Christmas episode for those of you who just can't get enough Christmas, right? 
There you go. All right. So Toe Jam and Earl is developed and well published by Sega. It was actually kind of went through a very interesting development um, process, which maybe we'll get talking about later. But um, yeah, it was designed by Greg Johnson, programmed by Mark Vorsanger. Um, and there's a the Johansson Vorsanger Productions was kind of the original uh, production or development team, but I believe they ended up changing it to the Toe Jam and Earl development mm-hmm. productions. Um, released, like we said, for Sega Genesis here in North America in October of 91 and Europe in 91 as well, although the month is a little bit blurry there. So um, yeah, uh, pretty pretty early. Well, I guess where was 91 in the Genesis era? About, that was about the middle of it, wasn't it? Uh, it was about two years in. So, yeah. Because um, I mean, the system kind of launched in 89 with... That's what, was, that's what I was thinking, yeah. Arcade ports. So this is... 91 is probably when you're starting to get really into the like the Tom Kalinske era of the Genesis as far as the... Um, like, it's really starting to take off in the US. You know, you've got the, the blast processing type marketing. You've got Genesis does what Nintendo. And, uh, you know, we're really starting to see... Uh, the system sort of differentiated itself from the competition. Right. And and one of the things that this game was kind of setting out to do, and one of the reasons that Sega said, yeah, we're going to go ahead and run with this project, is they were looking for a good mascot for the Genesis, you know, something to compete with Nintendo and Mario. And, you know, Sonic was there, but they wanted something else. And so this Toe Jam and Earl were the, you know, potential candidates for the new Sega mascot. Yeah, and I think you're also, I mean, we're at the time when um, character-driven mascot-type action games were were starting to pick up steam. I mean, uh, any cursory look through the 16-bit era, you'll see tons of mascots that, you know, some of them which time is forgotten and some of which have come back. But, um, you know, not only Toe Jam and Earl, but you've got stuff like Bubsy, you've got Arrow the Acrobat, I mean... Lots of companies sort of jumping in on the the mascot platformer bandwagon, so to speak. Right, and and it was all fueled by that. You know, let's make another Mario because yeah, or Sonic even. I mean, Sonic was huge. You yeah, know? you know, they they just they took over. So it's like maybe something else will catch on, and who knows. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, before we get into some of the history and development of the game, the gameplay itself, let's kick it off like we always used to and talk some nostalgia. So Wes, share, share some of your early memories of Toe Jam and Earl, if, if you have any, or is this a new discovery for you? Well, here's the thing. This this is uh, a first time play for me uh, after all these years. Um, you know, it's I didn't own a Genesis in the 16-bit era, so I didn't get one until the early 2000s. So I, I always knew of Toe Jam and Earl. It was, you know, just kind of I followed it in gaming magazines and kind of knew of it, but never really sat down and played it. Uh, you know, just kind of always thought of it as like, oh, it's just this, it's a quirky uh, character-driven Sega game. But it wasn't until recently uh, when we talked about doing this as an episode and I actually sat down and played it for the first time. Actually, uh, we got to play it co-op with uh, my buddy Nick. For, uh, we sat down and played it one night. Awesome. <laughs> I'm so excited you got to play this two-player. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll share more about it later, but I really have to say that um, discovering this in 2018, uh, really, I, I really enjoyed it. And there were a lot of aspects of it that I'll talk about later that um, 
I think are still relevant. And especially if you're into these style of games, um, it's just a lot of fun. So for me coming at it for the first time, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. I, I I love when we do this show and, you know, one of our picks is a, you know, new discovery for the other and it turns out to be a hit. So that's, Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, first discovered this probably somewhere around 92 90 maybe a little later 93 Mm -hmm. um and i was in junior high i didn't have a genesis but a friend of mine from down the street did and i remember going over to her house and playing her you know playing genesis and toe jam and earl was one of her favorite games Mm -hmm. um and especially because it had the two-player mode it was a great game for us to play together and I just remember thinking like everything about the Genesis was a little bit foreign to me. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the controller was different than the NES and Super NES controller I had. You know, the sound is very, very unique and distinct. Um, and so, and because I didn't have a ton of exposure to a lot of the games at the time, none of them really sunk in as something that I really fell in love with, it, except for this and you know maybe one or two others which we'll probably do episodes about later and there was just something about this that was so like charming and funny i mean just downright laugh out loud hysterical mm-hmm. and oh. you know maybe it was that you know 12 13 year old side of me that just thought you know picking up a can of root beer and randomly <laughs> belching as you're walking around was just hilarious <laughs> right but it wasn't just that. I mean, it was that getting struck by lightning. Yeah. Getting getting struck by lightning. I, (laughs) you know, not making this up when we, when I was playing this for the show, um, I got to one of the stages where all of a sudden I just caught the, the hint of the shadow of the boogeyman. Oh man. And as soon as I did, I had to pause the game because I started laughing so hard and that was a you know 15 20 year repressed laugh that i had completely forgotten about the boogeyman until right that second and i hadn't even heard him do his little boogie 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 yet right. but <laughs> like it 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 was clear as could be in my head and yep. god damn it i lost it um here's the thing i like i didn't have any nostalgia for that but like i still find that freaking hilarious oh it's so good it's so good um as you get going i mean there's just so many fun characters there's the nerds there's the giant hamsters and the big hamster wheel Mm -hmm. the um the woman in the shopping cart that's yelling at her baby to shut up um dentist yeah, the, the insane dentist who like laughs maniacally and then falls on the ground laughing. Yeah. Uh, the 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 mailbox I thought was always funny. Dude, the freaking mailbox gets me like every time. <laughs> like I always walk up to it and it just like all of a sudden just brrr, just chases you and just like it's, unless you have the high tops and then you can just get out of there. Yeah. But, oh my god, yeah, it's every so... time I fall for the for the mailbox monster trick. Yeah, so much fun to be had in this game and. Like I said, I'm I'm excited that you got to play this two-player because mm-hmm. not only is this one of the best two-player games out there, uh, the, some of the creators have actually said that they consider this a two-player game with a one-player option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason that I think that's so effect or so true is because of how funny and how much fun you have playing the game. You know, it's it's like watching one of those you know 
really crappy B movies. Like they're just better with a group of people to laugh at it with. And this game is better experienced with friends. Yeah, and I would also say that the uh, the two player mode is done really well in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the way it splits the screen, um, the way it kind of I mean, the game encourages you to explore and experiment and things like that. And sometimes, you know, like having multiplayer can change the game in different ways. But I feel like with this, like, it encourages two people to kind of explore off and map out the level, each kind of on their own, and kind of try in different things. And, uh, you know, then one person discovers the elevator, one person discovers, you know, the ship part or whatever, and there's like you're kind of doing your own thing, but you're also kind of, you know, working together at the same time. And when you, and you got to come back and help each other too, if what, yeah. someone gets into trouble and yeah. Uh, yeah. So to, to ex- kind of explain the way the two player mode works is it's a, it's a split screen, like he said, and it's, it's split horizontally. So toe jam is on the upper half and Earl is on the bottom half. Um, but if you come within proximity of each other, it'll actually revert and go to just full screen yeah and so, i love that i love yeah. that it does that right because other otherwise it could be really disorienting if you're like walking past each other but you're on different screens so when you're yeah mm-hmm. when you're close it just goes into one and sega actually said when that was being um conceived they're like there's no way that the genesis can actually do that like it's mm-hmm. it's a good idea but you're never going to be able to pull it off right. um but the programmers you know found a way and made it work and it was you know, fantastic that they were able to. Um, and that's what's cool about it is, you know, this is for a game of this year, uh, what'd you say, 91, right? Yeah. I mean, for a game of 91 to to kind of pull off these tricks with like split screen and full screen and stuff like that, um, I think that really does speak to sort of the, uh, you know, the the genius of the, of the programming, you know, right. kind of like work these tricks around that the system's doing, so... So let's take a step back and talk just a little bit about the gameplay and the the mechanics, because this is a unique kind of experience and one that I want to make sure that if any listeners are, are on the fence about whether to try it, they kind of know what they're getting into. Um, but it, it's basically the story is Toejam and Earl uh, are these very weirdly named aliens. Um, although I also read that their original names were supposed to be Flowjam and Swirl. Um, yeah, it doesn't sound as fun, though. No, somebody misheard them, and they're like, by the time they yeah. had it written in there, they're like, well, too late to change it, and it just stuck. I mean, um, those things that, like, you you know, you hear Toe Jam, and earlier, like, Toe Jam. Like, I mean, it's just, it's interestingly enough to get you, like, uh, curious. Absolutely. You know. Um, so they are aliens who are also rap stars. Um, because it's which, the 90s. Because it's 1991, you yeah. can't have a game without full-on R&B hip-hop. Right. Um, and they are flying around space in their totally funked-out um, interstellar spaceship, and they decide to let Earl drive, which is a mistake. You should never let Earl drive. Never let Earl drive. Right. And he crashes into a meteor, and they fall to Earth. Um, now... They're able to get off the planet, and that's their goal. But to do so, they have to find all 10 pieces of their ship, which are scattered all over the place. And they basically have to make their way around Earth looking for the 10 ship parts. Now, the way the mechanics work is the the stages, which I I think there are 20 
There are 25. 25, yeah. 25. There's 25 stages, and they're, they're kind of layered. So um, it's a, it's a half-cocked, like, bird's-eye view, top-down view. And somewhere in the first stage, which the first stage is literally just a small island in the middle of the ocean, um, but on that island is an elevator. And when you walk in the elevator, it takes you up to the next level. Now, the next level is kind of this labyrinth-like, uh, I guess, series of uh, platforms, you know, floating above the earth somehow. And hidden somewhere on that maze is another elevator, which takes you up to the next one and the next one. Um, and that's kind of the goal is you're, you're looking for the elevators to keep moving up. Every so often, you'll come out of an elevator onto a stage and a thing will pop up that says, hint, there's a ship part on this level. Mm-hmm. Um so you're you're kind of just exploring, looking for the elevator, also looking for ship parts, making your way up, and and with each level things get trickier. You know the the monsters get a little bit harder, um, things just get a little bit more uh, complicated. Uh, but the the biggest mechanic of what makes this game work so well is that everything is random. Mm-hmm. That now it's an option. You you can change a, a setting to make it. Um, structured levels that that never change but i've actually never played it that way and i recommend that nobody does um because the way the game is is set up on the random mode is every single level is randomly generated kind of as you go or when you first turn the, the cartridge on um that means monster placement that means the layout of the mazes that means where the presence and items are hidden but also what the presence and items do like so you're just picking up maybe a package that's black and white striped with red bow on it and that could be the super high tops or that could be the icarus wings each game you play it's going to be different and you don't know till you try um where the ship parts are is randomized everything about it is completely random and it makes for just an, a never-ending amount of replay value yeah and here's the thing with me discovering this game in 2018 I was really surprised to find that it's a roguelike game uh, where it's, you know, things are randomized and, and different every time you play. Uh, obviously, in the last few years, you know, a ton of indie games have embraced the roguelike nature. And then, you know, when I was doing some research about this and discovering that, you know, this game was kind of designed on based on the original Rogue. And I'm like, holy crap, like from 1991 to have, you know, a game that is completely random and different every time you play out. I had no idea, you know, and now it's such a synonymous thing with indies and, uh, you know, a lot of games sort of embracing that design. But I was really surprised to discover that uh, Toe Jam and Earl was at, at heart a roguelike. And right. um, I found that it, it sort of reminded me of um, another roguelike series, which is Sheer and the Wanderer, in that, in Sheeran, you kind of, you go through the floors, like you have to get through like 25 or 50 floors, you know, with randomized equipment and things like that. And it kind of reminded me of that a little bit too. You know, you're not always going to have a good run, but you're going to find interesting presence and, you know, different ship parts and different levels and stuff like that. And the challenge gets higher and higher as it goes along. So, yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's part of what makes the the randomness of this so great is that yeah. it's it's not one of those games where you can just memorize the pattern and get better to the point where you can just you know fly through it without any challenge, right. because 
every time you play it, like I, I was playing a game the other day, and I think I had made it to like the tenth level before I found the first ship part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because they're not going to auto, you know, they don't distribute them evenly. Like you get one every other floor. Like it's who knows. Um, right. They can also randomly drop them to where you might find that one of the ship parts is on a solitary little island all by itself over in the corner of the map. And good luck getting it, but it's out there. Yeah. Um, but then also just, I, I love the fact that when you first start the game, your inventory, you've got, you know, three pairs of the super high tops or whatever they are. And then all of the rest of the inventory is is randomized. And it, in, in your inventory, it just shows it as question marks until you use that item for the first time. And then from that point forward, every time you pick it up, you know. Right. But there's there's two items that are just, you know, it's nerve wracking every time you use a question mark because there's two that could really screw you. One of which randomizes everything again. So uh-huh. you no longer know what anything is. And then there's another one called Total Bummer, which just kills you. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've had games end that way where I'm up in the teens, you know, of, of levels. I found several ship parts and all of a sudden I use one present and it killed me and took my last life and just yep. like, well, game over. <laughs> and no continues either. No, so. you're so you're done. Um, but again, much like Sheeran is the same thing where like the higher up that you go in that game, in that series, um, you know, the potential for dying is in, intensely magnified, you know, and in that game, you can have a crap load of good equipment and get killed on like a really high floor and then you're back to floor one with nothing. Yeah. You know, but that's the that's the fun of it. And that's the randomized piece of it, you know, that keeps you coming back. And, yep. and I do feel like at least with Toe Jam and Earl, it's not that punishing. No, not really. Because I think there, there's two things that it has going for it. One is that if you ever fall off the edge, you don't die. You just fall down to the previous level. Mm-hmm. And assuming you you know mapped it out well enough, then you can also discover where there go straight back to the elevator and make your way back up. It's it's kind of an annoyance and it wastes some time, but it's not a big deal. Um, and the other thing is like some of the enemies do get a little bit tougher as you go up, but I don't feel like it's that steep of a difficulty uh gradient like it's they're a little bit trickier as you go but nor but most of the time that i die it's not because i got to a level where there's enemies that i just can't handle it's because the game's just worn me down over time and it it depends on on the mix of of which ones that you encounter right Uh, right whether it be you know you might just walk by a mailbox and it just chases you and kills you Right. Or, you know, I, I played a game where I think level two was nothing but desert and I ran into at least two or three boogeyman yeah. and you can't run fast enough to get away from them. So it just, yeah. it, it wears you down. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun game to explore and you know, that's, that's the other element to the mechanics of this that I, I didn't bring up yet is that you actually can level up and increase your, your character's level. Um, and the way you do that is actually by collecting collecting presents, using presents, and also uncovering the map. Mm-hmm. So each level that you start on, when you open up the map, it's you can only see the square that you're standing in. And so even on floors where there's no ship part, it's still advantageous to go explore every corner of it because flipping those tiles over and exploring or you know uncovering more of the map is what gets you experience. And 
as you level up, your life bar gets a little bit longer um, and it just makes it that much easier. So that exploration part as your source of XP, I think is really brilliant. Um, um, I didn't notice if when the telephone's ringing and you um, you answer the phone and it uncovers portions of the map, does that give you experience as well? Because I didn't really, I wasn't paying attention to that part. I don't think so. I think that's why those pieces are still kind of shaded out. Okay. So you can see them. So it kind of helps you navigate, but no, you still have to go find those tiles for, on your own to actually get the XP for it. I, yeah. I believe. I don't know that 100%. Yeah, I wasn't really paying attention. But um, I was going to mention earlier, um, one of the uh, the other interesting similarities that I sort of noticed with this game, maybe because I'm coming at it for the first time, is um, ToeJam & Earl reminds me quite a bit of like a better version of ET from the 2600. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. In a way they both seem very similar. Um, you know, if, if you've ever sat down and played ET for longer than five minutes, um, you know, your goal in that game is to collect the ship parts and, you know, avoid the, uh, uh, the, the guy in the, the hat and the trench coat and avoid falling into holes. But, um, it's in a way like I was like when I first started playing it, I'm like, this is kind of like ET a little bit, but like a better version. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's just me, but it seems kind of similar. I, I, I see what you're going for or what you're yeah. getting at. Yeah. I mean, you know, like the, the layouts in ET are probably, it's been a long time since I played it, but they're probably kind of randomized. Um, you know, the finding the ship parts is completely random in that one. Of course, you know, you collect Reese's PCs and all that stuff, but I don't know. It's, there's there's phones yeah. in that game too. <laughs> yeah, there's phones. You know, I mean, I can't help but kind of connect the two games on like this weird sort of um, spiritual successor level in a way. Um, but you know, Toe and Earl is much more of a fun game though because you don't you don't get stuck in holes all the time, so that's good. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you fall in these holes and you just land on another platform. Right. Exactly. So um, I don't know. This is kind of funny to notice, but you know, but I like this game. A lot more than ET. <laughs> that, that's good All to right. say. <laughs> <laughs> copies of Toe Jam and Earl in a landfill. If I had the chance, so yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just glad that you got to experience this for the first time and and enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, you know what's cool about it is um, I found that you know between whether it be co-op play or single play, um, I found that there's sort of two different avenues of really enjoying this game. And obviously the co-op is where it's at. I mean, that's kind of what it's built for um, and kind of having fun and, you know, potentially screwing over your partner, but still kind of helping them out or whatever. But at the same time, the single player mode, I found to be just kind of a pretty chill, laid back experience. Um, and I found myself going back to that over the last week or two and just kind of firing it up a little bit here and there, um, you know, just to kind of explore the levels and try out presence and, and just kind of in general, just, um, just experience the game, you know, uh, with the the different enemies and uh, the different power ups and stuff like that. It was just like, okay, you know, this is cool. Like, I'm just playing this toe jam and I'm just kind of exploring the levels and, um, you know, it's like, oh, I can swim, you know, for a little bit until I run out of air and die or whatever. So it's like, I'm going to explore this level or this and that. So, well, and it's it's a perfect game for that too because there's no time limit. No, and that's the best part. Right, exactly. Railroaded into finishing the level really quick, but um, you can just kind of take your time and explore. I love that. Or even, you know, beyond that, um, there's many, many times that I've been playing this and, 
you know, my favorite item to get in this game is always the Icarus wings. I love them. Mm. And a lot of times, like if I'm exploring one level, I'll, I'll take mental note of where certain things are that I want to come back to. And as I'm working up, if I finally find the Icarus wings, then it's like, okay, now I need to go all the way back down to level four because there's that other island I saw that I want to try to get to. Yeah. And so you, you know, can fly over there, you know, and see it for the first time. And that's, that's always exciting. Yeah, um, the wings themselves, like the first time I got those, like, oh, this is cool, you know, and just press the button A and like you start flying. Like, oh, sweet. It's kind of like, I mean, it's, it's kind of joust esque, mm-hmm. you know, in a way. But then, yeah, you can start exploring around different parts of the level and, and going around. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, that also brings up the idea of the shortcuts um, or the hidden passages in this game, too, which is something that is, I guess, kind of a trick to the game is as you play it you kind of want to stay toward the edge as you're walking because there are many spots where all of a sudden you'll step on something and it it builds a whole new platform or walkway. Um, Right. And so by doing that, that gets you access to other areas or other islands. Um, It it won't get everything. So there's still going to be some places you have to either fly to, or if you've got like the super high tops and just, you know, run off the edge, you can get a little bit of a jump spring shoes. Um, Yeah. But Use the rocket scape. I forget that does. That'll do it too. Um, that that actually works better than the high top shoes. The high top shoes, you get a little bit of a jump, but the the rocket shoes will actually kind of launch you. But you have very little control over where you land. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I, the no time limit makes it fun to explore. The fact that you can go back um, without penalty to any previous stage makes it fun to explore. And yeah, it just. It's it's a very fun game to kind of just go around and kind of take advantage of what's there and explore it and kind of kind of see what you can find. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, and just some of the just some of the other stuff that I just enjoyed too, like uh, you know, like all of a sudden, like you just get tomatoes, mm-hmm. you know, or you get like a slingshot, and all of a sudden you can you can start attacking things, kind of fighting back, or uh, and I got like a rose bush, mm-hmm. which was just kind of weird. Um, it was just kind of like I don't know. Like I think it, I think it yelled out in pain or something. Or I, I stepped. I don't know. Like if you if you walk into it, it'll hurt you. Yeah, but but then like I found out like you can start like using that to to like block enemies and stuff like that. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it kind of it's it's a little bit of like a deterrent for things that are chasing you because it'll yeah. stop them or they'll have to go around or something. Like the inner tube and like it seemed to like do nothing. It was weird. But uh, until you jump in the water, yeah, then then you can like float around, which is cool. But like at first, I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, like instruction <laughs> manual beforehand, so I was just kind of messing around with it. Uh, but yeah, and then you get in, you get in, like you just get into the water, you just take off, uh, which is good because there's like sharks and stuff floating around sometimes. So uh, yeah, it just it's this game. It's really fun to just discover all this stuff, you know. And that's that was my that my big thing. It was just kind of you know, fire it up occasionally and just kind of mess around with some of the presents and see what happens. And sometimes you get the thundercloud and the lightning and uh, sometimes you do pretty well and that's the fun of it. Yeah. And sometimes you have a total bummer. Yeah. (laughs) I Luckily, I didn't see that in like when I was playing. So I don't know if I was just really lucky and didn't get the, uh, you know, didn't draw it or just never opened that box. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. It's, 
<laughs> you take it and you, and it's not like an instant death. You take it and you just watch your life bar go down. So you know it's happening and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> just like, damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's food you can find too, which you know they'll you know range from really good food that actually gives you some health back to terrible food like right. moldy bread and things. That, that that is cracking me up too. Like just like just the the sense of humor in Toto Jam and Earl is so great and. I, I think it's just, you know, again, like coming at it for the first time, I'm just, I was cracking up. I mean, you know, there's like just fudge sundaes and moldy bread everywhere and just mm-hmm. the most random things you could ever think of, like just thrown in a game. Yeah, like, the, the, the instruction book even says, you know, the general rule is that if it has lots of sugar or is fried, then it's good. Otherwise, okay. it's bad. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, was this, this game was tailor made for like American video game fans, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just playing this, it takes you back to like sort of a simpler time when like games didn't have to be super serious, you know, open world type realism things. And it's just like this fun, ridiculous, cooperative venture. Um, but also in a way, like like I was saying earlier in kind of references, but in a way, like it's also a dungeon crawl. And I really like that about it too, you know, yeah. that. If you think about it, yeah, the levels are randomly generated, but there's not much difference between uh, the way you explore these levels versus like any other like overhead top-down kind of game, you know, much like a gauntlet or anything like that, where you have to find the ship part and find the exit and move on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's really cool, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I was very pleasantly surprised by Toe Jam and Earl. And uh, yeah, it's, I think it's great. So, yeah. So the last question I've got to ask, you know, since this is your new or your first exposure to the game, what'd you think of the music? Oh my God. We haven't even talked about the music. No. Um, I'm a big fan of the, of the Genesis sound chip anyway, but um, just like the first time, like firing up this game for the first time, like, okay, that's really cool. Like, you know, you start to hear kind of the the funk and the backbeat and then it just like, it's such like, it's such awesome music. I mean, whether it be just like that, you know, or whatever, it's just, <laughs> you can't help it. It gets in your head and yeah. you can't, you can't not think about it. In fact, um, after I had started playing this, I downloaded the soundtrack on my phone and there was a couple of times that like I was just walking around the house and I had it just playing on my phone, like on the speaker, you know, and I'm just walking around listening to it. And uh, Shannon hears me. She's like, well, you got your own soundtrack now? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. As <laughs> you know, I'm just walking around, you know, with uh, my being my rap master, you know, uh, whatever, funk lord, and uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's it's so good. It's um, so did you go so far as to try out the um, the jam out option? Oh yeah. Oh, that's. <laughs> We that's, messed around with the the jamming out. That was hilarious. That's part of that's. I mean, that's almost worth that's, the game in and of itself. Yeah, like you could totally sit there and just jam out and just make random ridiculous noises. And yeah, I don't know. That was hilarious. Like that was honestly super super fun. Yeah, I, I we I can't even think of the number of hours that we spent, you know, jamming out in that and just making it. Like I mean, a lot of games have the. Um, like like this the sound test mode you know or whatever and it's like okay great you know or you could listen to the soundtrack it's like that's fine yeah but to oh, just way different than that 
Oh yeah, like <laughs> basically just to sit here and you've got I think six different background noise or background sounds, um, and then you can just make all the different fun sound effects. Each button does something else. It, you know, it reminds me of um, if you ever watch Bob's Burgers, like Gene and his keyboard, like just making fart noises and different you know sound effects that to go along with it. But yeah, yeah it's one episode of Bob's Burgers. So. Oh, you're wasting your life. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> um but yeah jamming out i mean it's it's so much fun like that in and of itself i think is worth the price of the cartridge yeah oh for sure i mean it's just uh, there's just something about the aesthetic of this game the the time frame in which it came out the time frame it's sort of uh you know kind of poking fun at a little bit but i can't help but even though i didn't grow up playing this game i can't help but feel nostalgic for the time in which this game came out. Yeah. If that makes sense. Uh, absolutely. The, that kind of, like I said, that hip hop background to the whole thing coupled with, I mean, all, all of the background graphics, like every time you get in one of the elevators, their, their load screen to load the next level, mm. rather than just being a black screen says wait or something like that. You see the elevator and you just got that, you know, kind of, right. Know, Right. to it and the background it's like these i don't know they look like logos from the fresh prince of bel-air kind of just going on in the background or you know saved by the bell opening credits um i was thinking earthbound a little bit too like it kind of reminded me yep. it's got that kind of psychedelic thing going yeah yeah um but yeah it's it just fits right in and it just makes it makes it fun mm-hmm. and that's the best way that i could kind of wrap up our discussion for this game is that it's there's no part of this that's not fun yeah um even when you're getting your ass kicked um you enjoy it like i i laugh when the boogeyman is killing me because he's so goofy and silly and the most frustrating enemy in the game those stupid mailboxes (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's just (laughs) there's just something about the way it animates like it just comes to life and then it just like yep it's it's tongue and everything yeah i yeah I'm happy to let it kill me because, damn it, it makes me smile. Right. But it's fun, though. Like, it, I don't know. You don't really get mad at the game that much because it's like you want to restart and and see what's going to be different, you know, and now you know what presents do what. It's like, okay, we're going to breeze through it this time, you know. Um, it, it just keeps you wanting to come back. Right. So, I don't know. I, uh, I'm running out of things to say here other than if we haven't sold you on this game yet, I don't know what else would do it. Um, if if you haven't played it, you I highly recommend that you try it out. It's available. You can get it. Um, oh, yeah. It's the, everywhere. The cartridge is not that expensive if you still have a working Genesis. If not, I think used Genesis go for about 20 bucks. Um, or if you don't want to go to that much trouble, it's available on modern systems too uh, through, I think it was on the virtual console on the Wii. Hmm um which you know that virtual console is kind of dead in the water now but if you did manage to pick it up it was there or very recently it came out on the switch the new uh sega genesis um Mm. collection which has over 50 genesis games all on one switch cartridge and toe jam and earls on there um that's also on steam uh it's like 99 cents on steam so excellent uh it's cheap as hell uh, which is cool and i think the Steam version might have online multiplayer, but I don't remember for sure. But I think, I want to say, 
the uh, Xbox Live Arcade release from the 360, I think, had online play for them. Okay. But I don't remember for sure. But, um, yeah, it'd be cool to have online play. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about Toe Jam and Earl, in a way, for me, like, it is it sort of encapsulates, at the time, everything that Nintendo wasn't doing. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like, here's a game that is, you know... Of the 90s, um, it's, we've tapped into what we think is what, you know, kids are into. And we've distilled it down to these two, you know, odd-looking characters, Jam and Earl. Um, but, yeah, there's just something addictive about it. Well, and I think that a lot of what Nintendo was doing, especially in 91, was, you know, they were really trying hard to play it safe. And either the games that they were really embracing were ones that were tried and true and they knew were going to succeed or the other games that were coming out for Nintendo systems were these completely obscure third party things that they allowed to come on the system, but really didn't endorse or, you know, have anything to do with. Mm. So there's really no middle ground for them. And so something like toe jam and Earl could have come out on a Nintendo system, but it would have been this, very weird third party thing and it would not have been embraced the way the Sega did, you know, yeah. where they grabbed it and they're like, let's see if we can make this our new mascot or our new flagship series. Yeah. I mean that just Nintendo wouldn't have come anywhere near that. I feel like in a way, like I guess um later on you'd see the Mario and Luigi series, which is more of like, you know, kind of an RPG series, but I feel like in a way the Mario and Luigi games kind of borrow a little bit of inspiration from toe jam and earl in a way too not so in the multiplayer aspect but you know you've got two characters kind of walking around and and working in tandem and um there's you know sort of a sense of humor and stuff like that um i'm thinking more like the 3ds paper mario um mario luigi and paper mario one paper jam i think it was and uh dream team a couple of those so i could see how later on there were probably some games that were inspired by Toe Jam and Earl that kind of took some inspiration there. But mm. uh, I don't know. We did mess around with, um, I will say when uh, uh, Nick Brown and I were playing, we did mess around a little bit with the sequel, um, Toe Jam and Earl Panic on Funkatron. And I was really surprised that that was like just a straight up 2D side scrolling platformer. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, you know, some people really enjoy it. Some people don't care for it too much. I thought it was all right. But, um, you know, the other thing is there's obviously there's the Kickstarter for the new Toe Jam and Earl, which is supposed to be coming out pretty soon, too. So that's supposed to be more of a return to form, uh, much like the original. So, yeah. And, and Toe Jam and Earl 3 was kind of in the middle somewhere. Okay. Um, that was for the Xbox, although I think originally it was going to be developed for Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that got dropped. It came out for Xbox instead. Yeah. And. It, it kind of had the original roguelike dungeon crawl feel, but with that kind of more 3D graphic style. I, I've never played it. I don't know how it was. I have played part two. And while it's a perfectly good game, it it's not what made me love the first one. So right, it's, right. I, and I think that was its biggest downfall was it could have been the best game in the world, but it wasn't what people had, come to love so it was doomed to fail i think well and i think it's just it's it was a matter at the time of, of maybe uh sort of misreading what made the first one so memorable in the first place 
Right. Yeah. Yes. Sega did, Sega did not learn from Nintendo. <laughs> no, it's also, um, you know, again, like we were talking in the beginning, platformers were big. So, you know, they might have thought, well, let's just stick them in a platformer and go from there. So. Right. Right. Okay. So I think that pretty much wraps up our discussion here at Toe Jam and Earl. Um, any last minute thoughts you had? Um, parting words before you say goodbye to your new discovery? Huh. Well, I just want to share um, just something that. Uh, one of our listeners posted, um, we were talking about um, just sharing some of our nostalgia for the game. And uh, I just want to just mention uh, real quick, Nick Thurkettle was talking about, uh, he remembered that the digitized uh, sound samples and sounds that came from our reality instead of a chip were not just novel at this point, but were used as a selling point. Um, let's see, uh, he goes on to say that uh, half of the incredible eight megabit cartridge was devoted to digitized speech. Which is funny because, like, especially at this time, you know, uh, megabits and and bits and bytes were were just huge marketing terms. You know what I mean? So to have like, you know, this is an eight megabit cartridge. Like we've crammed so much stuff into it. You know, um, but he goes on to say, Toe Jam and Earl was a breakthrough not just because of how well its sound samples were incorporated, but what earwormy fun they were. Every sound was catchy, from the Roadrunner esque burning rubber sound. Of sprinting in high tops to the maddening oogie boogie boogie boogie. <laughs> you know? uh, he says, My friend and I wouldn't just co op, we'd, we'd play the dance mode where you could trigger sound effects because even that was fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think it's, it's something that, you know, you play it, you discover it with somebody else, and, you know, collectively you have these same sort of feelings almost. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, everything that, he said we echoed and it's right spot on (laughs) oh god that and the yeah the we would look for the cans of root beer just right (laughs) (laughs) oh all right so this has been a fun return to form uh i'm ecstatic that we're kind of back to the old system we can throw some love at the genesis and you know neo geo and other other retro consoles that have been kind of neglected on our show in past episodes. Yeah. So um, yeah, keep, keep here, uh, keep coming back and, you know, we'll, we'll get to all of your favorites and we've, we've got some requests that we need to touch on. So th- those yeah. are, those are coming here in pretty short order. Uh, but at the same time, if anybody else has requests or things that they want to get out to us, Wes, how do they do that? So we've got um, our Facebook group, obviously graveyard duck podcast, or I think I just, as it's now called friends of graveyard duck podcast which search graveyard duck we're the only one yeah yeah uh friends of graveyard duck sounds like an aa meeting sort of but that's fine so, we're here for each other well yeah that's i guess that's true but uh, <laughs> i'll tell you when i've had enough <laughs> uh, of course we've got our discord group um we got a lot of good discussion going on there um graveyard duck of course um we are pretty much on all the other social media type deals you know um, Instagram, Graveyard Duck. We're on Twitter. We don't use it too much, but uh, we're at Duck Graveyard there. And uh, yeah, I uh, I'm sure there's other ones, but you know, it's like a full time job trying to keep up with all the social media stuff. So just just do a Google search for Graveyard Duck. You'll find us. You know, uh, we're out there. But yeah, of course, and stuff. while you're googling around, if you find us on iTunes, you know, be sure to leave us a review. That that yeah. helps out a lot. Yeah, yeah. Please leave us an iTunes review. Um, if you want to send us an email, uh, graveyard.podcast at gmail.com, you know, uh, 
yeah, it's again, this is why we like doing the show is just kind of uh, sharing in the nostalgia and, and you know listening to to what your memories are and what you liked about these games. So uh, yeah, so stay tuned. Um, we've got a good one coming up. Uh, next episode will be my pick, and uh, there's as I was playing Toe Jam and Earl, it was reminding me of another game that is also a classic, and it's going to be a lot of fun and kind of a similar sense of humor. So um, I'll wait to reveal that. But uh, meantime, of course, you probably uh, you might be able to guess what it is. So uh, yeah, stay tuned. It's going to be fun. All right, I can't wait. So um, I think I'm going to go and. Uh plug in the Genesis and, and jam out for a little bit here. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to hang out and uh, throw the game in my nomad and, and just kind of jam out a little bit on the couch. So sounds good. All right. So until we're back in uh, two weeks, I'm Scott. Uh, you're not, you're Poindexter. <laughs> I'm Wes. And uh, just remember you're much weaker as a wiener than you are as a funk lord. Game over. <laughs>